0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're taking a deeper look at inflation. Inflation is in the news these days and with good reason. I've been reading a book by Gideon Gono, the former governor of the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe. He was appointed to the position in 2003. He had a reputation as a competent banker, having run Zimbabwe's largest bank, the Bank of Commerce and Credit. Now, Zimbabwe found itself in a debt trap. In his memoirs, Gono describes how every time they evaluated the tools at their disposal to fix the economy, the only solution that made sense to them was to keep printing money. Even when Zimbabwe reset the currency in 2006 by lopping off a bunch of zeros, they returned to printing money almost immediately. Countries throughout history have found themselves in a similar predicament. It happened in the Roman Empire, in Weimar Germany, in Argentina in Brazil, in continental USA, around the time of the American Revolution. See, money printing works, at least until it doesn't. When you combine this dangerous monetary policy with lemming theory, it becomes a test to see which major global currency will fail first, as if somehow failing second is going to be better than failing first. The Europeans are looking at the U.S. and Japan, and the U.S. is looking at Europe, Japan, the U.K., and Canada. They all conclude that since everyone's doing it, it must be okay. But there is a trap, a debt trap. Let's describe what that is. The debt trap happens when the cost of servicing the existing debt starts to dwarf government programs. The amount of discretionary spending disappears as fixed entitlement programs and debt service consume the entire budget. Governments are forced to keep interest rates low because even a tiny increase in interest rates would have a larger impact on the government's debt service than anyone else. Traditionally, Raising interest rates is one of the monetary policy tools that can be used by a central bank to cool an inflationary environment or an overheated economy. But if the banker's hands are tied, how do they get out of it? They print more money, which merely kicks the can down the road. And by the time the monetary system collapses, hopefully someone else will be in government and it'll be their successor's fault. Even though Richard Nixon, George Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden, and all the presidents in between have contributed to the problem, the last one will get the lion's share of the blame. Even though Richard Nixon probably did more damage than any other president in recent history by taking the U.S. off the gold standard. He's long been forgotten. Now, over the last 18 months or so, the Fed has printed so much money that its balance sheet now stands at more than $8.3 trillion. That's nearly 10 times the size of its balance sheet from 2008, before the last financial crisis. By comparison, the U.S. economy has grown 23% in real inflation-adjusted terms since 2008. So the last 13 years has seen 23% real economic growth and 946% growth in monetary supply. Last year in particular, the M2 money supply grew at a rate higher than any other year in U.S. history apart from 1944. So what happens when inflation gets out of control? People on Main Street suffer for the most. There's three principal impacts of inflation. Number one, it has the effect of wiping out purchasing power for those on fixed income. Number two, it has the effect of wiping out savings. And number three, it has the effect of wiping out debt, at least for those with fixed interest rates. This week, we're going to be taking a deeper look at inflation over the course of several shows. On today's show, we're going to be talking specifically about its very first impact wiping out the purchasing power for those on fixed income. See, when you examine what happened in Zimbabwe, there are some possible clues as to what might happen in the future in some more developed economies. Let's look at teachers. Teachers are typically government employees, and the teaching sector in Zimbabwe partially decomposed as a large number of teachers left the profession due to hyperinflation that wiped out their incomes at a pretty fast pace. The official dollarization of the Zimbabwean economy in March of 2009 saw much of the teaching sector recompose, as most teachers who had left the profession eventually returned to work. What were they doing in the meantime? Well, they were taking part in the black market economy. They were trading, they were doing things, anything that they could do to survive. And during the same time period, the employees of the major banks did pretty well. There's a lot of reasons for this, and we don't have time to go into all of them. I'll give you one example. Bank employees had access to preferential exchange rates. So what they would do is they would purchase U.S. dollars on the black market at night and convert them into local currency at better rates during the workday. By playing this arbitrage game on a daily basis, Many bank employees were able to profit personally from the currency crisis. Migrating to other countries is also one of the options that often people resort to in the face of hyperinflation. We've seen it in Zimbabwe, we've seen it in Venezuela, Argentina, many other countries. We've seen migration as one of the solutions. My friend Simon Black frequently speaks about how people need to have a plan B. If conditions in one country are highly problematic, having citizenship or residency in a second safe haven can be a real lifeline. In hyperinflation, you often see an underground economy take shape. This is where bartering for goods and services replaces cash transactions. When hyperinflation kicks in, people have a tendency to hoard scarce goods, hoping to resell them at a higher price at a point in the future. This is most common with commodity products. Most chronic high-inflation countries like Argentina in the 1980s and Yugoslavia in the mid-1990s eventually eliminated hyperinflation after dollarization of their monetary system. Zimbabwe did it in 2009. But dollarization doesn't work if the world loses confidence in the world's reserve currency, which is the dollar. There would need to be another trusted store of value. What this means is that when currency is being devalued, you can do very well, as long as you're on the right side of the trade. On tomorrow's show, and throughout much of this week, we're going to be looking at another aspect of inflation. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.